Hello, I'm Jeremy Eaton. I'm Dan Eaton. And I'm Sam Clements. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. Four hundred and twenty-seven. Seven. Seventy-five. Yeah. Seventy. Yes. Yes, let's just, yeah, let's just yeah. do that. If, we, if you could just do your, I'll give you a list of every guest host that we have, and you could just run through all the names, and we can, if they mess it up in the future, we'll just use your take. It'll be good. Later, Sam, what I'd like you to do is record a separate file on your own and just say, I'm Sam Clemens. Is it, you say Sam Clemens? Yep. Like, like Samuel Clemens? Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> like Mark Twain. I'm Mark Twain. Sorry. Um, I just recently broke out my Mark Twain impression. <laughs> What do you think of it's my true. Mark Twain? Uh, well, someone on. with a vested, you know, interest in the in, in the property uh, and the people involved. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thank well, you. before we get too far here, today on our show, clocking in at 87 minutes, we're talking about 2003's Johnny English, directed by Peter Howitt. And uh, this uh, is a crossover episode with our United Kingdom cousin, uh, the 90- I say sister or brother. But Jared nice seems guy. to think we're cousins. Just look, Sam, we met you today. I don't feel close enough to call you my sibling. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it is. Well, I don't know how Sam feels about the whole thing, but I, you know, I feel really good about it. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. We're, um, we're all moving at different speeds, getting to know each other. I, I enjoyed it. Hopefully at the end of this podcast, we will feel like sisters. Yes. Um, we let's will. aim for that. We, all three, <laughs> all three of us men will feel like sisters to each other. It'll be great. Um, Yes, uh, Sam is, of course, the uh, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest, a podcast which uh, is a little similar to a podcast that you may have uh, heard before, uh, but that's quite all right. We do, we do not do this to uh, bring you on to confront you. Uh, right. We're not trying to strong arm you and be like, you're going to stop now, right? Like That's, you know, that's not <laughs> what's going on. With our fists in our palms. You're going to stop now, right? <laughs> Let's go for a little walk. <laughs> leave it to the uh, Americans to fucking try to be fucking bullies. Yeah. All is hubris. To be like, we're doing it now. <laughs> but no. Assholes. Um, no, as I've said as the the what i call the cousin show because the the 90 minutes or less film fest is a different flavor than our show uh if you like chocolate theirs is german chocolate or you know it's it's close but it's it's dark just chocolate. not it's not the exact same thing yeah dark chocolate i went german chocolate it's richer there it's all good it's a classy it's a classy product I, I feel like we're um we're on the same aisle in the supermarket but we're not on the same shelf maybe you know, we're, we're sort of, you have to, there's a slight difference, but you need, yeah. we basically go to the same place, but you might yeah. need to look up or, or down um, right. to, to find us. And if you ask me, if you ask me, same price, you're paying the same price for both products. That's right. You know, that's right. The one's it's, not worth it's, more than the other. It's just, it so, comes down to, to got different can, rappers. There's room for everything. <laughs> there's room that's for it. everything. Good. Now that we've gotten um, that analogy out of the way. Yeah. Now that, now that we've, I think we know <laughs> where we're going in the future here. Now that we're understood. Um, yes. We, of course, wow. are having Sam on for the episode Johnny English because I am a cheeky little bastard who thinks that that's real cute and funny. And we will uh, be on a future episode of his show doing an American tale. It was a great pitch. Get it? How hilarious am I? Get it? Uh, I was, now I feel I, like a sister. <laughs> you, you sent me a message on New Year's Day um, saying, this oh, is the wow. idea. This is the pitch. I've got this great idea, you know, and I think, I think that's, that's what Day. brothers and sisters do on New Year's it's, Day. It's true. It was a holiday. You know what? That's right. I'll, 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 uh, I'll upgrade you to uh, half, half sister. Okay, I like Jared it. didn't I like even it. say, Jared did not even say Happy New Year's to me. 
but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I didn't congratulate you on your engagement. I said, no. look, we're doing this double podcast thing. What? But you he did Katie, reach out. To I don't Sam. care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's what went down. And you know what? I'm so dedicated to the podcast. I push all of that deep down and it's, it's, it's becoming unhealthy, but it's good. It's good for the show. Uh-huh. It's good for it's the show. To swallow, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, here we are talking about Johnny English, which according to uh, Jim Ferguson of ABC TV is fun, 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 <laughs> hilarious comedy. Fun, fun, fun. Jer, um, Sam, I like what Sam did on his show. He read the back. I want you to read the back of that box. <laughs> okay, this is, this is, yeah, nice little crossover flavor here. Okay, here we go. Um, for, well, first of all, I, there's a quote above the uh, synopsis which is by Sean Edwards of Fox TV, which Wait. says Rowan Atkinson, and then in parentheses, Mr. Bean, you know, like that guy. <laughs> you know, you know him. <laughs> keeps the laughs coming. Um, that's it? Okay. That's it. All right, here's, here's the synopsis on the back here. He knows no fear. He knows no danger. He knows nothing. When the mm. priceless crown jewels are stolen, bumbling Johnny English, Rowan Atkinson, is the only secret agent in the country literally who can solve the crime his prime suspects a sinister businessman john malkovich and a beautiful woman natalie imbruglia with a mysterious interest in johnny's top secret mission can the clueless super spy save the day without denting the nation's pride or his super cool aston martin spy car your (laughs) whole family will howl with laughter as the clumsiest secret agent ever ever unleashes an onslaught of outlandish stunts, harebrained heroics, and outrageous goof-ups in this hilarious spy spoof. I fell asleep halfway through that. That went on way too long. But second of all, the Aston Martin, did you guys know that's actually Rowan Atkinson's vehicle in real life? Oh, he went He went fully in. <laughs> he, he committed he his was, car. Not only, I, I can tell, I feel like this role is really important to him because, you know, he's been Mr. Bean for years and that's how we know him and you know maybe a couple spots in a Richard Curtis movie Love Actually is the guy that funny yeah. cameo but I, I feel like this role was really important to him so much so that he was willing to bring his own James Bond car that he owns in real life to play a James Bond character uh I don't know I just be, and because his heart is so much in this movie I feel that that goodwill for me helps for this movie when I'm getting beaten so much by his physical humor in this movie. This movie is, I'm I'm surprised there are three of these movies. That's that's <laughs> really really, really spread out as well. It's not like we're on a roll, guys. Next year we're greenlighting right? part two. It's yeah. ten years later. Should we do another Johnny English? Sure. It's it's. <laughs> It's almost like every 10 years, people are like, do you think they've forgotten about Johnny English yet? Like, eh, let's do one more. Why do you know been... wasn't a fan of this film? Like, maybe number really? two is him trying to get it right. He was like, there's like five good jokes in Johnny English. Um, Johnny English Reborn, however, that's the one. Is, <laughs> is it, it good? Uh, it's terrible. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Reborn, though. I... I, I wanna I wanna say that I am happy that we are kind of on the same page about this movie because I it's, was oof. it's it's rough. Oof. Um I really wanted to like it too. I was like, it's written by two Bond writers. They've written like the last what 10, 8 Bond movies. So many, yeah. They wrote Goldeneye, uh they wrote the, the latest one, No Time to Die, and, and a whole bunch in between. <laughs> And so when I was thinking, and of course, I don't do my research. uh, I apologize for that, listeners. Um, But I'm thinking they just had a Bond draft and it was maybe the plot was too crazy. And it was just kind of like a a rejected draft. And like, well, we got to make it in some incarnation. So why not make it a funny version? Because Malkovich's character... I remember Jerry, you seeing it in the theater and being like, oh, it's it's so bad. And John Malkovich does this terrible French accent. And me, I'm thinking like he's chewing the scenery, but he's actually playing this very much like a Bond villain. And his plot, although convoluted, has to do with the crown jewels and his rightful heir to the throne. To become uh, the king. Yeah. I feel like still this tracks kind of as a Bond movie, just a really outlandish Bond movie. Sam, are you a, a Bond fan? Uh, I wasn't until lockdown when we were all stuck in our homes and I I got sick of choosing what film to watch uh, because there was so much choice with all the streaming platforms. So in January last year, I bought the Bond box set, which is like 25 films. 
and we just uh, done one after another we didn't have to think for a month it was mm-hmm. so good we were it was locked down it was dark and cold and we we're all a bit depressed let's just mm-hmm. start with sean connery and we're gonna go all the way uh ready for the the final one which came out last year for the final daniel craig one um and now i think i am a bond fan but it really took it took a global pandemic <laughs> <laughs> to convert uh, you I said that's great, but not not the pandemic. I think it's great to have the time to watch all of them and to watch it the way you did, because uh, to absorb them all and to where they almost all run together is. Uh, yeah, we did them in a month. Like that, that was almost yeah. well. Some days we maybe did two, and some days we did zero. But uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of fun. And we were when we finished, we were really like, oh, what do we do now? There's no more. <laughs> yeah, like, so lost. Yeah, why, why are we still here? What's going on? Is there any other, are there any other movies that have or any other movie series that are nearing 30 chapters yeah. that we could talk about besides the MCU? I tried to so convince my wife to start watching the Star Trek movies, but um, we sort of bailed after two. Uh, uh, one, one is one is really tough, but you two was no good. Two is you? two was good for me. Um, didn't yeah, didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> and then okay. I, I think Wait. I put on the one when they're in they're in uh, San Francisco with the whales. And, oh yeah, and then she was four. like, "No, why are they on Earth? Why is there a whale?" um no it's tapped out so um they need to find another extremely long film series to watch my favorite is actually six uh if you're talking the original cast which is weird it took them that many movies in my opinion to get it right and uh i think christopher Plummer is is he the yeah he is he's a king speaking of speaking of Plummer, because he was in uh uh the last movie we did for your podcast the 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 don bluth film that we did american tale that's right um but uh, okay, so like I was gonna say, now Sam, I think you're probably because it's so fresh, uh, more familiar with Bond structure and how these things go than than even me because I didn't marathon them <laughs> recently. So yeah, like as uh, comparing this to a, a conventional Bond film, how does this track for you plot wise? I think it's not like like it's not as um bond spoofy as it could be considering it is by the writers of some of the greatest james <laughs> bond films the the beginning especially is not it doesn't have to use your setup like he doesn't really have the briefing with the gadgets um mm-hmm. you know he's also with bond films they're famous for their globe trotting and this is all set in europe like you know mostly set in london um and it's actually it felt quite small for that for a film which is supposed to be a it's all marketed as a bond spoof you know mm-hmm. why isn't he going to barbados why isn't he doing that you know like wh- where's the beach scene what's going on so i was sort of surprised how even though it's from the writers of like some amazing bond films how they 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 really didn't go all in uh, on that i don't know if it's budgetary reasons or if the plan was to make it a small you know more sort of london-based uh, movie um but because uh, yeah. in the in the sequel they do go abroad in in John English Reborn um, they do do some globe trotting they they bring that in. Okay, in, so I'd say in general this movie like it's kind of billed and marketed as a, a spoof, but it really isn't a spoof. It's really just like the plot itself is pretty straight straight like you said Bond. It's it really comes down to just physical slapstick, like a lot With of just mistakes. Of like- the Pope ass, like that's part of like the plot. You you could argue that's how it's built in, and that's goofy. But like the other stuff is just straight, like yeah, it's straight, yeah, and he's espionage. just kind of like making mistakes through it, and mistakes mm-hmm. that are just like, like no less than two times in this movie does he confidently walk to a group who is like clearly the wrong group of people that he's supposed to be talking to. He accidentally mm-hmm. went into the wrong building, and like. <laughs> That's yeah. about as he also goes numb twice in this movie. His doesn't his body go numb twice in this movie? Yeah. That's uh, I was like, that was I cocked my head when I saw him do the second time. I was like, deja vu, Rowan. This is Why? uh, you're doing the thing again. Uh, but I having said all that, let's I'll lean on some positives here. Um, I think uh, his partner is a pretty good straight man to his uh, comic foil, mm. his name's Bao um it would be I, I do find it interesting though that it wasn't a woman uh that that his partner throughout wasn't a lady because i feel like that would be how it goes in, in any bond movie it wouldn't be bond and some dude yeah it would be bond <laughs> and some lady uh did you guys find that strange that he's teaming up with a buddy the whole movie uh well i on that i've got a i don't know if you know the origin of the character but uh rowan atkinson did a load of adverts for barclay card 
um, in the 90s and of, of a, a spoof spy um, and who was Barclay Card helped him be a better spy. Uh, and he had a, a male assistant in that. So it's the same character from the adverts uh, there, but it's a different uh, actor. Okay. Um, they, they got rid of the guy from the commercials and they brought in Ben Miller, who's a sort of part of a comedy double act. Um, mm. So you're saying here. that this is like the English version of Ernest, who also started off doing commercials <laughs> and then got to do his own movie series. I didn't know about all that. But I didn't either. There, That's interesting. There could be more, like, there's so much iconography with Bond that they do not take advantage of. Like, even that shot in Casino Royale where he's coming out of the water and, and he's totally jacked and he's in the Speedo. Just imagine Rowan Atkinson doing Does he well, do that? This is three years before. Right. But (laughs) like, okay, not, not specifically that one, but maybe like certain uh, iconic moments, bond moments, he could parody directly. I wonder if the, if the Austin powers factor is really the reason why Mm. they don't lean too heavily into that. And the, and the comedy comes from more the clumsiness of the character and the ineptitude of him as opposed Mm. to, you know, satirical and, you know, um, uh, farcical situations in the Austin Powers situation movies. That's true. Um, in this, it's just like I said earlier. I kind of you get beaten over the head with physical gag after physical gag. There is some some dialogue that's you know pretty comical, fairly moderately comical in my opinion. But really, he's leaning on like getting his tie caught in a sushi conveyor belt, or or maybe. Uh, crashing uh, or, or, or faking a whole fight behind a door with a guy then coming out with ketchup as if he was bleeding from his nose um it's very it's like it's also as you mentioned i didn't even think about that you got you're living in a post austin powers world you're also living in a post pink panther world who's he's very much like a like a pink panther type mm-hmm. always trying to save face very proud mm-hmm. um it, it, it makes you wonder is there even room for a johnny english in cinema and the I think answers, it's, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, because America loves Rowan Atkinson as Mr. Bean, you know, well, like, yeah, I, I think I, that like that kind of like you get grew up on Bean. Yeah. I think that there's like, there's an American audience to Rowan Atkinson. You know, he has an American fan base that Sam, you know, this, are you guys Gaga as Gaga about Atkinson in the UK is, is, is Jairus as we are in America. Yeah, he is a real household name here because of Mr. Bean, but also because of you know, his uh, Blackadder. I don't know if you have that show. Yeah. Um, like that, that was a huge, you know, sort of cultural uh, thing here, even though it was only four seasons. And obviously being British, there's only six episodes in a season. Yeah. Um, and it sort of stopped in the late 80s or early 90s. But, but the repeats are on all the time. Everybody knows that. And um, yeah, I think there's lots of goodwill to, to Ron Atkinson. He's also, he's big on, sort of tv here and and we do a big uh charity thing called comic relief every year and he's one of the sort of regular faces on that so once a year he'll be doing some sort of charity special um but he's also someone who is is a really big star but i don't feel like cinema's really been his friend um like he should be in better films (laughs) and he should be in more films because it it really is sort of few and far between um Mm -hmm. especially to have him as like a leading man in something like i guess johnny english really and the Mr. Bean films, that's kind of all he's had. It's a real shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's in The Lion um, King to give him a little bit of great skin. That's true. You know, he's the original big... uh, Zazu. He's, a, yeah. he's very, a very good Zazu. That's a good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, go. I agree that I agree that he and even, forgot he was in that. <laughs> even the Mr. Bean movies aren't necessarily the most well received out here uh yeah, i think was not i think well everybody received. here is just like we just like the show like why do you have to go yeah. put that in movies like <laughs> especially that was first one like a sleeper but it was like too many people slept on that sleeper Being the ultimate disaster movie but i think it was that like it's i know both of the films are him going like abroad um but i, I feel like the first one it, it almost it sort of lost the essence of what mr bean was um yeah. with all of the extra characters around and Mr. Yeah. Bean's Holiday, I, I really, really like because that is like a long episode uh, of yeah. the TV show, and it's got Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, just pops so up. Good. It's um, me, guys. Oh, yeah. Willem. <laughs> um, yeah, I did like Holiday, uh, and I do. I like Rowan Atkinson. I think just yeah, we keep going back to the term goodwill because like we want him to do well. We want Rowan mm-hmm. Atkinson to do well, and when you watch this movie, and it's just like oh, just oh. Oh, it just 
scene I, after scene. I redundant. mean, not to get too personal here, but mm-hmm. I, like I said, I did, Dan said, I did see this movie in the theater and mm-hmm. I had no problem leaving to go to the bathroom for 15 <laughs> minutes in the middle of this movie. <laughs> Of an 87 minute long film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I came back. I didn't even ask, what did I miss? I just came back and I was just like, okay, let's finish. How much time left? Right. It's, it was rough. Um, um, so with that in mind, yeah, should, I guess we'll get we into should it. Breeze through it as, as generally yeah. as we can. The, it starts as all Bond movies start, which is a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and like every Bond movie, they put the most attractive thing on the on screen first, which is Rowan Atkinson's big mug <laughs> being the first uh, shot of the movie. It's um, he's storming what appears to be some sort of palatial estate, some some mansion, and uh, he's uh, he's doing his job very well. He's like already well into the secret agent uh, role. So that, that this is a dream, guys. He goes up the stairs. There's these two guard dogs. He pulls up two squeaker toys very casually and throws them in opposite directions, and and that thwarts them. And then he goes inside, and once again two. Once again, with the rule of two, two guns converge on his face and he bests them very handily by just knocking the butts back into their heads. And then, and I, you know, I'm, I know I'm going micro here. He meets a beautiful woman. And all of this is good for me as I'm watching it, because like the, the writers actually have him saying Bond-ish lines. I know I can't directly quote it right now, but the exchange he has with this woman here, I'm like, yep, this, this is like exactly what a classic Bond would say. And he goes in for to kiss her, and that's when we cut to reality, and we see that Rowan Atkinson is actually Johnny English. Just is that his character's just, name, Johnny yeah. English? All right, so Johnny English is sitting, and he's like a low-level, almost like desk agent at this uh, agency. And what's what I find to be the oddest choice is that he is dressed very much like Mr. Bean yes. in yeah. this scene. It's really <laughs> strange that you would do yes. this. I said the same thing to uh, to Katie, my fiance. I turned as like with the except. She said, with the exception of the tie, I'm mm. agreeing. I'm getting some heavy bean vibes. His hair is a little closer cropped, but uh, he's talking more. And like you're seeing the range of Rowan Atkinson because you're used to him not talking or just going Teddy. <laughs> and he actually is. He's a he's a great actor. He he actually knows how to deliver dialogue and eloquently. And you mm-hmm. see that with that that confidence and that bravado that he brings, even when he he's stumbling on his ass. And we get to see that. It's just a shame that it wasn't executed well enough. But right. once again. Okay, he's in the office. This isn't structurally following a bond at all because we're used to a cold open and we're used to that sexy graphic art with the titles and then the, the awesome mm-hmm. song half the time, let's say. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, Bond song, Sam, uh, opening? Uh, I mean, I just love how, because we were watching them in chronological order when we did our recent rewatch and I love how like the first one doesn't really have uh, like a, a, a jazzy sequence and mm. and then they, they really start going for it. And I, I love how they just get so big, especially mm-hmm. they sort of like peak by the 80s and in the 90s, they bring in sort of more CGI elements, but they're really, and it's all by the same guy, like one of the, you know, consistent That's voices right. in Bond is, is the same title designer for a lot of them until he passes away. And it, they're just like, yeah, we're going to have 20 naked women in silhouette. We're going to have a swimming pool. We're going to have a, a, a bonder like in, in on a, on a tightrope doing this. And like, I, I just love how they go. Um, I think the songs like, I guess the songs vary uh, in terms of quality. But um, when I did my rewatch, I was taking a screen grab of the, uh, the title reveal um, and sort of comparing it to the last one doing like... Uh, uh price is right higher lower you know is this one better than the last one um and it was that was that was sort of fun just to see how they choose to to you know reveal the the title uh there but um yeah i i think it's a really fun element of that series and what other film series like has this iconic title seat like the titles are iconic the credits for the production designer are iconic in this series (laughs) you you it's like star wars is like maybe the next one where it's like no that has to open a very specific way or we do not accept it you know (laughs) (laughs) and it's cool people like it it's not like oh i gotta sit through the credits they're like no i want to see the title sequence i want to like they got their scorecards out yeah yeah and like comparing it to previous ones so yeah like 
I, I know it's a hard question. I can't even think of my favorite Bond songs. Off the, Golden Eye. I like I like Golden Eye. I was about it's to say Golden Eye. Good really song good <laughs> with uh, Tina Turner. I like um, Goldfinger. I like uh, I uh, guilty pleasure. Mine is View to a Kill, the Duran Duran song. That oh, I like that it too. Good. The very eighties one. Um, anyway, the Paul McCartney and Wings song is yeah, is quite Live good. and Let's Die, which is my favorite Roger Moore. His first outing, the craziest as well, I think. Uh, with the anyway, we can go on. Anyway, yeah, we'll there's a, just on, on Bond songs. There's a deep cut. Uh, if anybody yeah. really wants to go for it, uh, at the end of Tomorrow Never Dies. The original song that David Arnold, the composer, wanted to have was a KD Lang That's song. Right. Yeah. That's over the end credits. The studio said, no, can't have KD Lang doing a Bond song. Um, so stay to the end credits for that one because it's actually I, really it's, good. It's <laughs> better than... Uh, I literally... Well, I like Cheryl Crow's, but yeah. I literally thought for years after seeing it that the Katie Lane song, Katie Lang song was the, the theme song. And it wasn't until yeah. I did my own research for a show that I was writing that I was like, oh, she didn't... No, she that was the end credits. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in um, this Radio we have had, Robbie had Williams, yeah, uh, yeah, and Hans yeah. Zimmer <laughs> doing <laughs> the, the title song. <laughs> when we were, um, I'm 30, I'm gonna be 34, and when we were younger, and we watching the VMAs on MTV, Robbie Williams would come out, and one year he came out and they did the Bond barrel, they recreated that. So, we're like, okay, this guy's giving off major Bond vibes. It's like you, some artists are destined to be propped up as Bond opening songwriters. And it seemed like he was for a period. So I'm glad that he they he finally got it in some way, in some capacity by doing the opening to Johnny um, English. Did he though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it felt like it was important to him because uh, as, a, as a big fan, he was trying yeah. to replicate that image. But maybe he I felt- I guess at the time, like when you, when you get brought onto the song, you haven't seen the film by that point. So you're like, oh, Johnny, Rowan Atkinson, National Treasures doing a Bond parody with the writers of Goldeneye. It's mm -hmm. going to be the best film ever made. Hans Zimmer's yeah. going to collaborate with me on a song. He'll win Oscars mm -hmm. in the future. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> And he did, to be <laughs> fair. No, he did not. Um, his song, I do not care for either. It's like a swingy, jazzy number. It's kind of like up-tempo. It's not really what I'm looking for in like a Bond-ish song. But also, no, so here's Spy Hard does it best. And that's not just because it's Weird Al doing it. It's because that's, <laughs> it's, it's literally the best version of job. this. <laughs> um, so basically, just to go gloss over the beginning, Rowan Atkinson is like a peon agent. The, the the James Bond guy comes in and he does this coat trick where he throws it up on the rack, but it's useless because he immediately takes it off the rack and leaves. Um, <laughs> he's given his, his latest assignment, and this is so cheap. Like, do they not have budget or time? C hard cut to just text on a screen. It says agent killed in action. Submarine hatch wouldn't open. So Which, it's yeah, kind of joke, funny. The joke being that Rowan Atkinson said moments before he personally checked the hatch himself. Mm, and yeah. then through text, rather, you know, through showing, I guess, not yeah. telling. I mean, I guess is that no, showing? That's telling. telling. No. Well, to me, it's telling because it's just yeah. text. Like it, they should show it. Should be the sequence of him in the submarine, maybe trying to get that. They're they're, they're showing you the telling, <laughs> right? Exactly. And it's his funeral. And now it's we had a movie that was released uh, last year. It's called An Intervention, and it had a very King Ralph ish setup mm -hmm. in that the main character's entire family was wiped out in one picnic explosion and that i got vibes of that and king ralph in this in that he's the last agent and there's nobody else except for johnny english to take the spot and i'm like okay yes. decent setup cue the cold open or the 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 opening credit robbie williams song but it doesn't feel like a bond opening credit sequence mm -hmm. it feels like a mission impossible opening credit sequence from the television show and from ghost protocol which replicated that finally and the first movie actually, where they show, and it's not images that you'll see later. It's just, they're glossing over him, like bathing and going over his flossing and, and, and getting in a suit and, and going through training and filling out paperwork to get to be that agent that uh, is gonna take his spot. So I got more Mission Impossible vibes, which is not good. You should create, <laughs> you should do your best to recreate that Bond thing. What were they thinking? I don't. I don't know. It would have been like a really easy gag as well, like to have Rowan Atkinson in silhouette, you know, right. like doing a load of fun stuff, um, you know, with like naked girls on trampolines or whatever they do in the Bond titles. Like and there could have been a lot Austin, of humor there. I'm surprised. Austin, 
all Austin Powers does is they cue his like theme and he walks around naked and then they cover his junk for like his <laughs> movies. You can so you can there is room to parody these Bond openings, you know. So I don't know, but it, it cut to now he's going into the the mission and and what happens next? Do we do we? He's he's briefed on what the mission the other guy was going to go on for, mm-hmm. and he's like you know got immediately got the swagger of an agent who's been doing it for a long time, and you're like, where did this unearned confidence come from? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't laugh out loud lots during this film but i did laugh out loud a couple of times because rowan atkinson does tickle me and and this was the first time i laughed out loud when he goes into the secretary's office tries to throw his hat on the rack like the other guy greg wise who who played the other guy um he throws his coat out the window and then you hear some like foley sounds of a car (laughs) screeching that was a good joke Yeah. yeah i like it and 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 like I said, it's diminishing returns for me because I'm getting beaten with the physical gag so much. I really dig when he accidentally tranks the secretary. <laughs> yeah. The, is his now is his is M named Pegasus or is the organization Pegasus? No, so yeah, M is called Pegasus is, in this. He's in MI7, okay. a fictional MI yeah. uh, sort of right. you know, uh, undercover home security sort of uh, business. <laughs> She's in Pegasus's office mm-hmm. and he accidentally tranks Pegasus's secretary. She's behind the couch. And when he enters, he has to kind of block the view of her <laughs> passed out. And it, this, they cut and you think it's over and he's in his office, but it still goes on in the background. There's a paramedic team yeah. taking, and he's just hoping that the guy doesn't turn around the whole time that I like. Yeah. And then I don't know what it is. I think for me, uh, I, it's just too much. Like naked gun kind of has the same effect on me. I think I need my my physic, big physical gags peppered out, and that's not what these movies are. You know, they're supposed to be a bunch of rapid yeah. fire. You need oh. um, when you're doing this when this is the genre of comedy, in my opinion, you need to have mm. some really strong like joke jokes that like I, I dialogue. I, like you're saying like you need those big comedy beats spread out. Yeah. Whereas what I'm saying is like you can keep doing this, but you need to have those big beats be like smart jokes that you're like, Oh no, that's something I can like recite, you know, like a, a line that you can repeat as opposed to, and then he goes and then accidentally does this it's thing. More story mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's I what you need saying. in that. Cause then it's like, then you can pepper in all that other stuff is like fun part it's... of the adventure, but you need that core to keep you now going. That you, now that you mention it to me, it's like, because there's, you're, you're focusing so much on the physical aspect, the dialogue is noise. And and you're you're supposed to be paying attention to these these expositional scenes of crown jewels and and I mean like savage. Literally, you fell asleep. I started falling asleep because it's like <laughs> there's nothing in the the words to keep you gripped. At least in my opinion, it's it is all that physical stuff. Mm-hmm. So he gets tasked to do it, uh, and successfully, the secretary is carried out on a stretcher, and then finally, Pegasus turns around and she's gone. And he's like, "Do you understand?" He goes perfectly like i like <laughs> that sort of mini tension in a comic scene that's fine like comedy of errors like is he gonna find out stakes in a i like that mm-hmm. it's just a lot of the other stuff it's so um it's not I'm, I'm i'm jumping around i know we get to john malkovich eventually yeah, but I they know. go to the they go to the tower of london london and that's where he meets natalie and brulia's character okay so yeah and any, uh, uh yeah I mean, I don't, if there's stuff in between, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not going deep. I think, can, I think uh, they do just sort of hard cut to it because he gets given the Tower of London job. He has to guard the crown jewels. The queen is going to open this restoration of the crown jewels. Um, mm. And then he's at a party. Partner um, Angus Bow is, is partnered up with him. And then mm. he's there for the majority of the action. So that's, he's an important character. And uh, yeah, it's just this this jewel ceremony, and you get to meet John Malkovich, who's wearing he's got a fully maned John Malkovich yep. with beautiful gray slicked mane, or kind of like combed over. He's yeah, he's like um, he's got these je ne sais French. He's French. I know. I'm trying to like do it a little more flowery, but he's a little eccentric. But like honestly, not as eccentric as Raúl Silva, like in Skyfall. Yeah. Like he's on for me. I think he's kind of, aside from the shitty French accent, he's a pretty perfect Bond villain in my opinion. He just need he doesn't have a lot to do. He needs more sinister things to do, like mm-hmm. sharks with freaking laser beams yeah. on their head. <laughs> well, he seems to have like 
yeah, just jumping around, but he is he's presented as, as this you know billionaire prison owner. Um, but yeah. he seems to only have like two henchmen, <laughs> right? <laughs> like these Ooh, two German guys. <laughs> are we introduced to them at the agents, like just subtly at the the other guy's funeral? Like they get into a hearse, and I think it's like foreshadowing because they drive a hearse around in their little uh, their yeah, front. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I you know even as you know, like uh, I think of diamonds are forever. I think of the the subtly or not so subtly depending on who gay henchmen in diamonds are forever and i think like a henchman is certain two henchmen certainly uh this sort of thing is a crucial to a bond movie so why are you guys making half measures for your full bond parody right Um, why not just go for it again it's it's austin powers they don't know where their their space is (laughs) right i think they're figuring it out as they go and then the movie was just done by the time they figured it out and it's just like okay well, you guys want to make another in 10 years when we back yeah. up? <laughs> Honestly, okay. like, do you think this movie would have done better if it was just Mr. Bean as a secret, as a secret agent? agent? Ooh, mm-hmm. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I think in, in China, the title literally was like, Mr. Bean becomes a spy. How they marketed it. They're like, well, why wouldn't you market it? People don't know who Rowan Atkinson is, but they might know Mr. Bean, the character, because he's a beloved silent character who's, you know, translates all across the world. Um, yeah. yeah, I think if Mr. Bean just got enrolled into a spy agency one day, that would be a wonderful film. <laughs> and he did, and he talked way less. Yeah, I think mm. you're onto something. Um <laughs> But or if you're going to have Ron Atkinson either... delivering like lines of dialogue, get some really great, sharp, funny screenwriters. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, get some, other. get some jokes going, you know? Mm-hmm. I just like, and you see that uh, it's it's Purvis and Wade. They share half the writing. And you get the A&D co-writer credit, which means the guy did a pass on their draft. I was thinking like, did they write a Bond draft and this and guy did the comic pass and he just Maybe. is shit? Like, I don't know. But he just didn't have the chops. <laughs> speculation. But uh, anyway, we meet Malkovich. And, and Johnny English, he's talking to, uh, I think he's talking to Imbruglia again. She keeps showing up in places. And, and Malkovich, he mistakes him for a waiter. He asks him for like cheese puffs or something. And he, he makes him look like a total asshole by saying, I will go get you these uh, cheese puffs. Uh, yeah, once no, he finds no, no, out. you need your cheese puffs. I'll get it. He's basically oh, no. doing that. Yeah. yeah. No, no, really. No, no. Let me go get you the cheese puffs, please. <laughs> and he makes him look like a total dick. And then uh, this is when the crown jewel, He we know he's in on it. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, the crown jewels. And they're behind the glass. And then they get stolen once the curtain goes down. They go up and, and oh, they're gone, right? And he's like, I do not know what happened. And uh, Johnny English is on to, the lights go out in English. His intuition comes in. He hears somebody kind of coming down the stairs, but he, he assaults him. I think it's a waiter. So he's got the wrong guy. And then uh, he to save face, he goes into a room and he stages this assault. How does yeah. this all go down? Like, it's just a really long um, <laughs> tangent. <Yeah. laughs> like they really, really embellish a not very funny joke. Um, like minutes of screen time is from this 87 minute long film is given <laughs> and that's, for that not funny joke. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I have, like one of the issues with this character as a comedic character is the fact that like, he's not an asshole and he he's not like malicious the way that Mr. Bean kind of is sometimes, or he's literally yeah. doing stuff to get under someone else's skin. <laughs> yeah. And he's not also like, um, like there's no, what's the word I want to try, try to think of? There's like no humility to him, you know? And like, mm-hmm. you need to have a little bit of that, I think for like this type of character, like he's just kind of like, nonchalantly covering up as opposed to like you don't register any panic on him or like mm. like it doesn't come off as a character flaw so much as just the next thing that he's doing that's that's wrong you improvising know improvising his way out yeah rather adept uh like adeptly yeah and, uh, as opposed to just like you know actually struggling to like oh shit like uh, uh, oh you know like to register the panic on his face which doesn't really happen <laughs> I, I i think i see what you're saying but he, he does this like long-winded fake attack behind the door, and he's even doing it for Bao's sake. And he's like, "Oh, really? You got him?" And he's like, he seals the door off, and he says, "I got him contained." And everybody applauds for him. He's got ketchup mm-hmm. on his nose, and then they leave. And it's like nothing has been accomplished in this scene. But we do know that the crown jewels have been stolen, so something happened. We got mm-hmm. conflict now, a little more conflict. 
um, what they end up finding out is that there's a tunnel that was dug beneath the display case with the jewels and they follow that trail down and this is a whole thing where a whole thing h-o-l-e <laughs> yeah uh, and, where... and the first of two tunnel scenes in the movie <laughs> you gotta have a good everything scene. <laughs> everything you know that comedic rule of twos <laughs> <laughs> he goes numb twice the yeah twice yeah um he slips down he like knocks bow down and they're now they're in the sewers and they end up climbing some ladders to find that the the henchmen are loading up a hearse with uh was it drugs or something uh with the they've got the wand and scepter they've got the crown jewels oh the, the jewels of course i'm like i'm like, i don't even care like they're doing <laughs> something they're they're loading the jewels up and then they chase them and um is this the part where he gets his car Towed, so, so they take the tow truck and they're chasing him. It's a big chase. Oh yeah, oh, it there's a it's set up at the beginning. Like um, there's a sign saying no parking outside of the Tower of London, and he ignores it. Um. <laughs> so he drives. The, he's like, I got a solution. It's a hard cut, and instead of them getting it off, he's driving the uh, tow truck. I thought that was pretty funny. I think this whole chase is pretty good. It's just like action wise, it's good. Comedic wise, it's whatever. It's um. They end up get, like getting unlatched onto the the hitch or the back of another uh, truck that can carry a car. I thought that was kind of, like transporting. I thought that was kind of neat. It's it's somewhat creative. Eventually, they end up making their way to a cemetery, right? And it's another misunderstanding where yeah. he has to it's, save face. The first misunderstanding where they they follow the wrong hearse, and he makes yeah. a big confident whole to do about haha, like you know, like parlor um, scene. Here it yeah. is, yeah. And, and and it's the wrong person and it takes forever for them to be like but we're the wrong people <laughs> like and that's the punchline too like we know the punchline as it's happening and then there's nothing else to add to it that's a good point well, like if the audience is ahead of the character it works sometimes but this case like dude we're ahead of you by like five mm -hmm. minutes like i'm gonna yeah. go get a snack before <laughs> you learn that these guys are the wrong people um, and I but, guess they're trying to go for a cringe comedy thing there, like the yeah. taboo of, you know, being unruly at a funeral, but it doesn't, it's not quite cringy enough. I don't know if it's how it's played or maybe because we really, really know he's wrong uh, at mm -hmm. the beginning. Like it, it I, I could see that setup being funny if it was in another form, you know, era. But, uh, I, I would say era, even like, 80s. yeah, like, I feel like this level of humor, like you got to go even more shocking uh, perhaps in 2003 but um he does do that and and i was gonna say there's two like the numb face scenes but he fakes the numbness in this scene to save face his partner comes in right and he says um this is he's from the mental so he's not like he's doing like sort of like a mental bit and mm. That's but like the mental like has like a numb face so he's like doing like a thing as they're leaving and everyone's just kind of like their jaws are dropped. They're like, oh, okay, I guess that's acceptable. And they get out. But even yeah. that, like the escape from that is drawn out so much by like two yeah, minutes so of long. time. <laughs> you have to leave, yeah. you have, we have to watch them from a really deep shot, like leave the cemetery. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they run out, like just cut it when he shows yeah, up and you know, makes the excuse. Like, <laughs> we got it. We got it. <laughs> I don't We're ahead do. of you. We got it. Is this leading to something? No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um. So they 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 leave. And um. So anyway, they end up connecting the the thieves to Pascal Sauvage, which is the the French guy Malkovich, the mm -hmm. prison entrepreneur. He is a prison <laughs> entrepreneur, and. Uh, Pegasus finds that uh, they they don't want it. They like this guy is uh, you know he's he's related to you know he could have he could have been an heir to the throne. Well, they don't know that, but like he knows people. He's very well connected. Like, why would he be our guy that we would look into? And English is like, well, you'll see. So already there's some conflict going on about that. Um, what's uh, happens next here? They, um, um, well, yeah, he's. Um... He's not concerned. There's about the it. car park scene, right? The the guy comes out from under the car and he like he starts shooting at. There's a big shootout in a, a parking garage. Yeah, yeah, I guess it shows. He um, by this point we've connected the the henchman to 
John Malkovich, who's like, mm. okay, you got to take English out. And they do that by, you know, the one sort of like guy posing as a mechanic. Yeah, uh, he slides out. From, that was kind of funny to see him roll out from under a car and start yeah. shooting at him. Like, that was like actually showing English being quite a good spot because he notices like it wasn't the guy's voice. It was like, well, so is he inept or is he not inept? That's a good question. He's the one who, that's, like, maybe his sidekick should have noticed that. That's right. English. I mean, that's what we're saying. This isn't a, this is not a comedic character in on paper like they're they're trying to add this comedic element to a cape paper i think you're probably right dan that this probably was like pretty straightforward pass. and yeah. then they just like screw it it's going to be a comedy and then they gave it to the one comedy guy who worked in the office <laughs> maybe <laughs> they gave it to the guy who wrote stop on my mom will shoot oh, oh god <laughs> did that. we did that one did you do that one for your no we haven't uh, done it show? haven't done it yet but it's oh um, my God. yeah it's like 89 it's, it's it's in isn't it it's in the club <laughs> we did it with our guests and like we were like haha this will be funny to make fun of it wasn't even fun fun to make fun of dude like it was, it was just <laughs> it was really rough yeah well that's the guy um, who wrote so wade and purvis don't come back for the two sequels but that guy does oh great good, <laughs> good. keep keep that element <laughs> so um yeah there's the shootout there they uh anyway it gets resolved i think that well obviously the two henchmen have to get away because they don't die die here um and then it's not long before english uh he sees uh natalie and bruglia's motorcycle outside of a sushi place right this is the big conveyor belt physical gag but uh, he doesn't know if he can trust her or not which is tracks for a bond movie like that there's usually two girls one of which you can't trust the other one you can mm-hmm. um and then he's ty gets caught so it's kind of it, it, it advances the plot this much like a millimeter here with this sushi scene <laughs> i quite like the um like it was not, nothing was funny the dialogue the japanese language stuff wasn't funny but him getting his tie stuck is, is quite basic but then him having to disrupt every single customer in the shop i did think was funny <laughs> like seeing the reactions of him like bumping into every diner uh, in the sushi go round conveyor belt um they're trying to save face well. each one. yeah <laughs> excuse me pardon me yeah yeah uh <laughs> they is this um is this anything happen between this and the mistaken headquarter parachute scene they they have a scene where they go over the the plan and the plane and it adds nothing also <laughs> this is what we're going to do with the, oh, next there's the hospital like, there's the whole like, thing where he yeah. parachutes into the hospital right yeah. yeah and once again it's just the repeat of the same funeral thing it's it's yeah. uh oops <laughs> and he's like aha i'm very confidently going to make an ass of myself right now and they're all like why are you making an ass of yourself what do you <laughs> Um, he look and it's like once again like uh, five minutes of screen time devoted to the scene that could be cut. They could just he could just meet him straight in Savage's headquarters, but we just had to have this. He looks out the window and he sees Bao across the street in the mm-hmm. and it has a big Savage logo mm-hmm. on the side. He's asking them where's his office. So you know eventually he does regroup with Bao inside uh, across the street. So are, are you guys peeing your pants yet with laughter? <laughs> I think so this, is fine. this is a more of a bond trope, like going to the villain's lair for a big party. Like, like now we're, you know, it's a bit more recognizable as some bond bondery. Um, right. There's, there's, there's a faint echoes of bondery go some bondage going yeah. on. <laughs> um like this is where the, I start to lose the plot a little. This is where I need a little bit of help. If you guys, don't I, I don't know me. how much help we could give you, but <laughs> they make their way into uh, Malkovich's office, and they end up like ass playing a DVD. <laughs> like he like <laughs> he accidentally, he, like he accidentally like it's like a butt dial, but he accidentally like okay. play, turns the. It's an ass play, is what yeah. it is. It's an ass a weird, like wall-mounted DVD player with like four yeah, with disc drives, like loaded up. Mounted. Yeah. Why do you need multiple DVD? Like, it's not like a five-disc CD changer where you're like, oh, I need my songs to shuffle. Yeah. Do you remember when those were like the epitome of luxury? And it's like now all your songs are on your phone. It's like yeah. I have a seven. Do you remember disc when you used to have to wait thirteen seconds between songs because you hear the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the table rotating and like, Ooh, what disc is it putting on now i wonder how how old are you sam uh 34 
Okay, so we're the same age. Okay, I, was I remember like, there was like younger? <laughs> uh, definitely like a time there with my I, a lot of my cousins were older and um, you know having like a CD changer in like the the back of their car. I got seven mm-hmm. CDs in the boot, you know, yeah. and, like, that being amazing that like, you can flip between seven albums and not have to like change the disc. <laughs> oh, he's so hot. He's got a seven disc changer in yeah. his car. I gotta date this Oof. guy. <laughs> I got a four <laughs> DVD wall mounted player. Like what? <laughs> uh yeah, there's 17 screens playing yeah. uh parts of each movie because people like that yeah so that's um, that scene is where they they learn his plans that he's gonna be like you know take over the throne basically is he having a party here like a cocktail party or do we we already oh, go past hell that? if yeah, i know a party with like johnny english's boss uh pegasus is at the party and that's where he's like, don't go to the party, whatever you do. And obviously he does and gets found out. I guess that's supposed to be some dramatic like stakes there. <laughs> Is this the part yeah, where he's, he's like, he gets the leave of absence? Mm. Oh, yeah, that comes up. Yeah. Is it the part where he's like feeling the curtains and he ends up feeling up a woman in a red dress that looks like the curtains and it's her butt and we're all we're peeing our pants? Yeah. Is it that? All right. We, we're peeing as hard as we did when Leslie Nielsen did it in 1986. Like yeah. the same freaking thing. <laughs> Um, I will say I like what Savage is wearing at this party. It's very casual yet formal. He's got like the the scarf is a little pretentious, but his like pants and coat like I, I was like, this is rocking. Like I want to be the most comfortable guy at the party like uh, like this. And he seems to be the most comfortable guy. Just take the Rodney Dangerfield approach and just wear your bathrobe everywhere. You'll be fine. Just <laughs> like that. They'll get yeah. used to it. Yeah, I could do that. Um. The, he runs uh, in, I think he runs into Natalie Imbruglia again. Yeah, uh, he's got this. He's got this. I, I, he's got the stupid thing with the ring, and that's where he numbs himself or somebody else or whatever. Like, yeah, there's a mix mixed, up, right? There's yeah, a truth he mixes up his two that. rings, oh, which yeah. that that's actually probably the one funny joke in this is that they gave the guard the truth serum, so later on the guard gives them all of the information. Yeah. That they, <laughs> that's actually the one part that made me chuckle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because he just so, he's just so kind of quickly and tell yeah you got to go down that way ah oh, like he even realizes that he he screws up. Um, it's uh we also learned that Savage is, he's gonna turn England into the world's biggest prison apparently when he becomes uh yeah. rightful heir with the crown jewels so that's something because that's what you do with an island nation you just <laughs> oh yeah if Australia <laughs> taught us anything yeah no. I learned a lot about the powers of the monarchy through this film um oh, yeah. like they uh, the, 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 yeah all of this stuff that is not taught in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, they're taken prisoner because uh, Johnny English accidentally activates a microphone and like he blows their cover. And th- another thing that keeps happening through this movie is his gun bits. Like he'll have his, he'll have them dead to rights, right? Like he'll have a, his barrel locked on and then the clip will fall out or something will happen. Where or literal shit will yeah. come out of the gun barrel. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I so didn't think... That. This movie gets that low. Let's just skip right to him being covered in shit because that's what the rest of us are feeling like by that point in the movie. Like, what did you do? <laughs> you just like, there's coughing. He's so upset. <laughs> you just exploded shit all over us for the last hour, and this is where we all come up and we're all filthy. It's, it's kind of like gross though. Like that, yeah, he he enters the castle through the like downpipe from a, a multi um like a multi toilet like where six guys are taking a shit which <laughs> uh, i onto Johnny i English. was like now come on <laughs> like now come on i don't know how much truth there is to this scene where there's like six guys shitting in a room together like this but no no call up your friends to shit together i would take no part i would walk in and i would never walk into that building ever again even if it was where my kids had to go to school (laughs) i can't breathe the air in here i can't no disgusting the rest of the film he's basically covered in shit like natalie and puts him in a shower briefly but then he's still wearing the same clothes like that's not going to come out from one shower yeah you don't (laughs) rinse off the smell of shit yeah. He, he gets the girl and then he launches her out of his, his car at the end too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
uh, Bao comes and he rescues Johnny English and Natalie Imbruglia, and they race. They go to stop uh, Savage's coronation. It's that far along, guys. The stakes <laughs> are so high. Um, Johnny English crashes it, and he discovers uh, the Archbishop in attendance. Oh, there's a okay. We have to talk about this face swapping mask once again. More like Mission Impossible. There's masks in this movie and identity mm. swapping when it comes to the archbishop what is the it's like it gets really convoluted to me in it's a weird plan. thing they come up where the archbishop I, of canterbury needs to crown the king but mm-hmm. the you see a henchman at savage's lab having a a, a plastic mold of the archbishop of canterbury's face so he's got a <laughs> butt tattoo that says jesus is coming look busy and, and and johnny english knows this so keep that in mind guys the butt tattoo yeah it's it's just like that scene in the simpsons also where they got the fake comptroller to give the check <laughs> to lisa or, yep. yeah yeah yep. they're stealing the from the simpsons they steal from austin powers moments later when he punches this person in the face assuming that it's like the like you just get that bad like this is a wig gag from austin powers basically it's the butt tattoo he like mm. he moves everybody the real archbishop's bare ass and it doesn't have the tattoo so it's all oh, humana humana <laughs> so but also then like tables have turned because uh we earlier savage has bugged johnny english's flat and in behind his bathroom mirror he's dancing to abba's does your mother know and uh that gets played at this ceremony so that you know he's embarrassed by that yeah people love that song though so everybody at the coronation would be like yeah "Yeah, banger the the thing that (laughs) takes down any super spy is a little bit of embarrassment Mm -hmm. yeah good point anybody would dance to that i just watched uh mama mia like where my fiance watched it near me okay i was working (laughs) on stuff but then i was like all right there's some good fucking songs in this movie like abba's got some good tunes anyway um he, uh, English, uh, he swings in to steal St. Edward's crown from the Archbishop. Savage attempts to kill English, who drops the crown. But uh, English falls from the wire, lands on the throne. He's crowned instead. Whoa. And in his singular act as king, English has Savage arrested by the MI7. Now, this is great because I'm reading. This is part of the plot summary. If you don't get guys will indulge me. Savage's final fate is not revealed, but a presenter mentions that if he is found guilty of high treason, he could be executed. Savage would would also have asked for it to be used in science, specifically for the causes of schizophrenia. While his fate is not revealed, he was most likely executed for his crime of attempting to seize control of the crown, making history as the first person executed on the orders of the crown since the 50s and restores the queen to the throne, simply requesting a knighthood as a reward. This is this is all in the synopsis. <laughs> in, in an IMDb plot summary. Crucial yeah. details for this yes. movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Wow. A little historical context in real life for you uh, audience members out there. That's good. We're but laughing that's pretty learning, dark, you know. Savage, <laughs> yeah. he gets an off-screen death, and it's an execution for this. Mm-hmm. So no Bond villain, I don't think, has ever suffered that fate. Uh, it's usually like an explosion or something like that, or shooting. Uh, that's yeah. They never they never get to go through the legal system. And right. <laughs> Right, a fair trial, and that's, that's what happens. Protracted, like survive. state execution. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost so much worse by the fact that he has to be like, they, mm-hmm. a judge has to rule that he is guilty. Can you imagine? Maybe in like a rebooted Bond, and that, this is my plan. And I know I'm not alone in this, but maybe take it back to the '60s to reboot, reboot it, Cold War era. Maybe less gadgets. I don't know, but that's and get a new actor. That's what I would do, and just reboot Bond. But I, um, yeah, I disagree. I think they should constantly reboot <laughs> James Bond with Daniel Craig doing a different <laughs> performance each time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, um, I was making a point. Oh, but can you imagine in that rebooted Bond that in the third act, the villain just goes and he, he faces trial and Bond is in the court just hoping like with his arms clutched, just hoping that something happens. And, and he leaves the, the and he's, we won. Verdict. Mm-hmm. yes bureaucracy won it'll be and one of those huge of trials that's like televised and goes on for mm-hmm. weeks and weeks and weeks and <laughs> the, the movie totally loses focus it's, it becomes about the media store like yeah. all that mm-hmm. they're like but did he do it or not the movie's not taking a stance <laughs> yeah 
damn movies and not taking a stance for entertainment purposes it's a bond and it's a fake plot that he had which is weird it's like they're not making a statement by picking, taking a stance anyway savage is awaiting trial for high treason mm-hmm. that's when english and uh and natalie and bruglia they drive to southern france for a romantic holiday and english accidentally ejects her out of his car while they're about to kiss mm-hmm. and guys are we are we peeing our pants yet <laughs> you know what i would describe this as is uh fun 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 cover again let me see it look at how confident he is so you have the I... uh, american version which has quotes on the front and i've got the british okay. version which has no quotes i couldn't find anyone <laughs> to say anything and, uh, good about this thing to say about a flashier this. logo no less and I like too that the quote is uh, written with periods and not exclamation marks. It's fun, 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 a hilarious comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what it, it is. It's very mm-hmm. serious. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a mid-credit sequence. Did you guys stick around for that? Oh my God, no, I did not. There was. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course, I stuck around for the yeah. mid-credit sequence. Oh, I assumed this was a time before mid-credit sequence existed. <laughs> Oh, we well. First of all, we had I had to rehear, re-listen to Robbie Williams's theme again. <laughs> then midway through the off. credits, we get uh, she lands in a hotel swimming pool. Lorna does. Which one was Lorna? Uh, Natalie Brulia. Uh, yeah, she lands in a yeah. the pool, and Bao is vacationing alongside a man identical to the fictitious assailant that English described to Pegasus. So it's like a callback. It's a deep callback as well. That, that seems yeah. like in the first ten minutes of the movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and you see so, like a guy with big red hair and a and a scar shaped like a smiley right. face. And... Yeah, we we kind of glossed over that. He's there's a scene with a sketch artist, which is very not Bond to me. But there's a sketch artist in a room, and Johnny oh, English yeah. is describing the appearance of the guy that he fake attacked with the ketchup nose and all that. Which makes that unfunny uh, joke go on for even longer. But then you got this yeah. sweet payoff where you oh, uh, yeah. you see a, a, a this guy flash on screen for a couple of seconds sometimes it pays to double down you guys that's yeah. the lesson to take from that big time <laughs> big that's time. it though that's johnny it's english one of the the most glossed over uh episodes that we've done because we can't handle johnny english and we also just recorded a a, a different episode earlier i so. think we got it pretty comprehensive i think we covered all I that we it, needed to yeah, with johnny. it's probably the most in-depth podcast there has ever been about <laughs> johnny about, english i'll take that that crown jewel thank you very much oh put shit that on my head. yep yep wait, i went there i way went to bring there. it all back yeah, uh, I just remembered you. Rowan Atkinson is in a Bond film. Um, he's That's in right. Never Say Never Again, the worst right. Bond film. Sean <laughs> uh, Connery's to... big comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's like the he's in one of the foreign offices in in one of the countries Sean Connery goes to. I can't remember quite where. Cuba, I maybe. Remember. But he yeah, falls he's like... in a pool, doesn't he? Like physical. Yeah, he, he's funnier in probably in that terrible <laughs> film performance. <laughs> then this funny. movie. I talked about this last time, I think in last episode, that there was a time where you could go see Never Say Never Again or Octopussy at the same weekend in the same cinema. And that's pretty amazing. Like, which Bond movie do I want to watch? Like, mm. that is amazing. I wish they would do that again, but that, that'll probably <laughs> never happen again. No. Oh, well. Anyway. But that's that's Johnny English from yeah. 03, a movie that rips off movies that both precede and follow it. A movie that doesn't know where it should like where it should comfortably lie. So no. it's just kind of shifting a little bit throughout, you know? It's like it's like a lot of early to mid 2000s comedies which is like, you know, the last we're scraping the bottle of barrel of comedies before we officially decide, nah, we're done making big budget comedies because Let's they don't blow make up money. Comedies, yeah, just start over. <laughs> basically that's how it felt like it's it, and then apatow took over for a while apatow and then like nothing for a while and then right? that's it that, 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 yeah. yeah then lord and miller and that's about it mm-hmm. and that, yeah. and then deadpool <laughs> like you know that's really where it comes 
Well, no, this was a this was a working title sort of joint. Who does all? You know, they did Bridget Jones and um, Four Weddings and a Funeral and all the Richard Curtis films. They did that really bad Beatles uh, film uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, uh, name escapes me. Where the Beat? Imagine if the Beatles don't exist. Oh, get, uh, uh, get back was it? No, not uh, begin again. Begin again. No, uh, not that, no, that's again. a different film. No, I'm uh, sorry, that was the yeah, sorry. Here, I'll look yesterday. It was called yesterday. Yesterday, thank you. <laughs> I would have called it Get Back if it was a time travel. Yeah. <laughs> but then they did that doc, so whatever. So I guess this is them trying to fill like the space at that point. Like they maybe it was between Bridget Jones movies and yeah. uh, Richard Curtis was still writing. Um, so, but Rowan Atkinson is in that Richard Curtis kind of wheelhouse, so he's yeah. probably a safe bet. Like Richard, Rowan's Richard, got this great idea for Rich, a spy parody. Okay. <laughs> Richard Curtis hadn't decided which holiday he wanted to write about next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, I mean, this film probably could have done with a Richard Curtis pass on the screenplay. Or, or Absolutely. Something. I would have been yeah. happy. Big time. <laughs> it would have been great. Time. It, it would have been, it probably would have been racier. Like, and I think that's maybe what it needed a little bit more of. Some racier humor throughout. It feels very um, like PG, very safe, but and, and kind of lame, kind of toothless, but I'm surprised he wasn't because like Richard Curtis and Rowan Atkinson, like they worked together on Mr. Bean and they worked mm-hmm. together on Blackadder. I was like, why? Yeah, why is this know. Rowan Atkinson going solo <laughs> when we need Richard <laughs> Curtis the most? <laughs> He's breaking away um, when he shouldn't have. But uh, yeah, I don't. I did not care for this movie. It felt a lot. We used to do this thing on our show where we used to be like, "Does it feel like it's the runtime?" And my answer is no. It feels way longer. Than, yeah, uh, this is a a three hour eighty seven minute movie. <laughs> it's longer what than the Batman. Yeah, yeah. We we always used to do it. Yeah, like, would you want the film to be any longer than ninety minutes? And this one is definitely no. <laughs> oh, God, no. no, thank you. No. no, thank you, thank you. I'm good. So, I can even return some of. <laughs> Let me answer, to, to cross over just one one final on one final note, Sam. To cross over to your podcast, if we had a blank check and we could screen it anywhere, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to borrow from you. I would not is my answer. <laughs> yeah, the answer is <laughs> I would pocket the money. Uh, yeah, I think I would put a screening on and I would sell all the tickets out, but then I would refund everybody, cancel the screening beforehand, and everybody be like, "Oh, I've got Friday night free." Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a, that, that <laughs> I don't have to go watch Johnny English. That's the that's the favor that's that you're doing for everybody. That's it's great. Just doing a solid, yeah. <laughs> giving back to the community. I like it. All right. Well, that is going to be uh, that's going to be it for us this week. Well, with the well, letter, Sam. Where Sam? Where can people I, find I, you? I was getting around oh, to that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jared. It's sorry. fine. Yes. Well, no. But obviously, now you have to, Sam. Tell us all where we can uh, find you. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Clements and our podcast is uh, on Twitter at 90 Min Film Fest and wherever you're listening to 90 Under 90 um, just type in 90 um, and we'll probably be hovering underneath uh, this podcast with 90 Min Film Fest and uh, yeah on our, our show we we celebrate 90 minute films like 90 Under 90 uh, but our, our list is curated by our guests so I, you know, I'll be flung a bunch of random films I've never heard of or some beloved classics that I have heard of uh, from our guests that week and uh, and I'll watch along with them and we'll talk about the movie. <laughs> and as a result of his format, he often doesn't uh, have movies like Johnny English that he's expected <laughs> to watch to yeah. because people tend to pick good movies. <laughs> And if Johnny I English chose... was picked, that would mean our guest, that is basically their favorite under 90 minute film. It's going to be hard pressed to find somebody who's like, please, Johnny English. <laughs> uh, All so right, there, well. There, there are two sequels to this. One of them is an hour and 40, but the third one, which came out it's... 15 years later, is 89 minutes. It's are true. Are you saying you want to do the third one, Sam? I'm just saying there's a reunion opportunity. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> let's, let's do it. There's no one better to have on than to suffer together <laughs> once again. Our uh, brother? Our podcast brother? Our, our podcasting uh, brother. Oh, oh that's the payoff uh, that Johnny English didn't have. That's <laughs> that there the it is. arc, the arc of this episode. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to be it for us this week. I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. I'm Sam Clements. That's a wrap. What do you mean you're out of chocolate? How can that be?